that Lorraine's going to come and read Psalm 80 to us. And just really think about, as you read it, um, what happens to the vine. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine on us that we, might, that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbours and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root of your right hand has planted the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on, on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. So turn with me to John chapter 15. Jesus says this. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He's spoken, talking to his disciples. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. 
For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. The world hates you. Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen. And yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. So let's pray. Ask God to speak to us. Father God, speak to us, we pray this morning. Speak through your word. It's a simple prayer, Lord, but, but profound. We want to come this not hearing words spoken, but the very voice of God. As we read at the start of Jesus walking amongst the lampstands and, and John bowing the knee before his voice. We want to hear it like that, Father God. In a way that causes us to fall to our knees and say, yes, your will be done. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So John 15, this picture of the vine, we're just going to take those verses 1 to 17. We usually take it as some kind of devotional manifesto, how to stay connected to the Lord, but it's actually something much bigger than that. It's actually the key to Jesus' mission plan for the world. And the giveaway comes in John 17, other places too, but in John 17, Jesus prays, that's the next chapter after this chunk, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world note that and Jesus actually makes it explicit at the first resurrection appearance on the Easter Sunday well the one at the first one to the twelve Jesus says to them as the father has sent me I am sending you so that's pretty clear isn't it Jesus says I was sent by the father I came into the world to speak about getting right with God as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So this chapter, these chapters 15 to 16, Jesus lays out the, the principles of mission, the first half of chapter 15, the cost of mission, which we read, and then in the bit we didn't read, he talks about the resources available for mission. So if you read John 15, 1 to 17 with these eyes, it's not a picture of a contented, passive, individual 
times with Jesus. It's about an intentional, missional fruitfulness for Jesus. So let's get to grips with this picture. Jesus is the true vine. It's a great picture, isn't it? Because it sticks in the mind. It's a simple picture uh, and all the books make sense. Jesus is the true vine and God the Father is, is the gardener. What does it mean? Well, I think it's quite clear in the Old Testament, the vine was a picture of the nation of Israel. So Psalm 80, um, which Lorraine read, you transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground from it and it took root and filled the land. Um, the vine's a picture of the people of God. And Jeremiah, in his prophecy, um, God says to Israel, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a, a corrupt wild vine? So the people of Israel are, are God's vine. But what does that mean then, that Jesus is the, the true vine? Well, it means this, the place to be one of God's people is no longer to be an ethnic Jew. The place to be one of God's people now is to be connected to Christ. People of God are, are centered on, they're defined by Jesus. They're people who trust him. And beyond that big picture of Israel, it's just a, a helpful picture about how the Christian life works. Jesus is the source of divine life. He, he is the sap. Jesus is the place we get all our resources from. Jesus is the place we get power for growth and change. Both change internally and change in things around us. And the power for change, and this is probably one of the key points you take away from this morning, the power for change, it's in the vine. It's not in the branches. The branches are just a conduit um, for the sap. In this picture, you've got brine, uh, sorry, you've got vine, branch, fruit. Now, the thing that defines whether you get any fruit on the fruit at this end is simply whether the, the, the branch is, is connected into the vine. And the power comes from the vine. Jesus says very clearly, without me, you can do nothing. So what is the fruit? The fruit is, first of all, in these chapters, people added into the kingdom of God. New people connected in. But there's a connection between that external fruit and the internal fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is also, of course, uh, according to Paul, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there is a, a fruit of the Spirit. There is a character that grows when you remain connected to the vine. But key to that characteristic is love. And that love, Jesus says, is, is a demonstration uh, that God is real amongst those people. And it gives evidence to the outsider and brings that 
extra fruit, that ultimate fruit of people added into the kingdom of God. That's what the vine is. That's what the picture is all about. It's simple, isn't it? But here's a few pointers then to how it works. See, keys then to, to growth. And this growth, this fruit growth is always going to be internal and external. And, and the two go together. And the first one is to get clean and to get pruned. Get clean and get pruned. Jesus says to these um, 12, he's, this is after the, um, the Last Supper. So he's still talking to the 12 disciples. He says, um, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to them. So they're saved by grace through faith. In other words, the way to get clean um, before God is to trust that Christ dies in your place. Paying the penalty for your lack of love, for all the places you didn't love God with all your heart, soul, all your mind, all the places you didn't love your neighbor um, as yourself. There's no way that we have the power for that kind of cleansing to make ourselves right. Jesus says to them they're clean because they've, they've trusted Jesus to do that for them. Or to use Jesus' um, previous illustration, they've had, um, they've had a bath. To use the chapter 13 picture. So I trust that you're clean, that you've trusted Christ. And if you haven't, I'd urge you to do that um, urgently. Because we never know the day when we're going to face the Lord face to face. It might be tomorrow. It might be, the day, it might be today. It might walk out of here. Something might strike us down. So it's urgent that get clean before God, do something about it. But when we've started to show some fruit, started to show some love for others beyond ourselves, the route to greater fruitfulness is to be pruned. It's to be pruned. And you, there's a play on words here because clean and to cleans and prunes are variations in, in Greek of the same word. Um, but in the different contexts, they mean different things. So Jesus says to them, they're clean. But if they're going to be fruitful, they're going to need to be pruned. Listen, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Some plants... If you, want to bear, if you want them to bear fruit the following year, you have to cut them down hard. You cut them back almost to the root, and that gives you um, more fruit in the following year. Leslie cuts down her raspberry canes. I don't know, you gardeners will know about this, and I'm rubbish at this. I kind of cut things to the root, and they die. But they're a kind of plant, and you as a Christian are that kind of plant, where if you're going to need... To bear more fruit, you need to be cut back. You need to be cut back to, to the root. And how does God do that? Well, so often by pain and trouble. So often it's by pain, by trouble, or by hardship that God comes away and he, and he cuts, cuts us back. 
cuts out our trust in, in our trust in ourselves, in our own abilities. It might give you trouble at you. Infirmity cuts you back so you learn not to trust in your own strength. It might be financial that God allows things to come in and it cuts you back so that you learn not to trust in, in wealth. Pain and trouble focus our hearts on what is really important rather than what is temporary. And there is no way around this. And the, the hard truth is, it, it, is here. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The path to Christian maturity goes through trouble and pain. Sometimes trouble is, in a sense, accidental, but in, a, in that we live in a fallen world. But in a sense, it's never accidental because Hebrews 12 tells us to treat hardship as discipline. Let me read that to you. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. It's really clear, isn't it? And yet we get so drawn into a kind of false gospel that says Christians, that the things will be sweetness and light, health and wealth. And it's nothing to do with the biblical gospel, is it? God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you're not disciplined, then you're not legitimate children. If you've you've escaped pain and trouble in the Christian life, then it's not a mark of legitimacy, it's a mark of illegitimacy. And I I read these these words in, in Hebrews 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. It, it's, a, it's a simple, straightforward, uncomfortable truth of the Christian life. And the flip side is true. If you're, if you're determined at all costs to avoid, to avoid pain and trouble, you will not spiritually grow. So you have to get clean Trust Christ in the first place. But then one of the realities is if God's treating you as a son or a daughter, he will prune you because he wants you to be fruitful. I don't think then there is a kind of like you can't, um, how do you get pruned? Well, I think that's where the picture of the father as the gardener comes in. He is, he is sovereign over those things. It is his choice. And he is the cause of those pruning things. But if we stay accountable, there is less chance that we need the hard pruning. If you stay close to God's word, if you stay close to God's church, talking to somebody in the week, why do we come? Why do we come and listen to preaching together? Why don't we kind of? Why don't I send you a link? Well, I'll record it and send you a link. It's because doing it this way holds us mutually accountable. We come before God's word together. And we sit here 
all of us, preacher included, under God's word, accountable to God. And we sit here mutually accountable to God, unable to hold one another accountable. There's something about coming to um, church which is about this mutual accountability, mutual submission um, to God's word. So a branch that is never pruned, notice, eventually dries up completely. It shows by that that it was never really part of the vine, or at least it's not part of the vine anymore, and it gets thrown into the fire. It's a picture of hell. No two ways about that. So get clean, get pruned. That's the first thing. The second thing, very simply, know love and show love. Jesus says in verse 9, as the, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in my love. It's a moral command, as we'll see in a minute, but it has to be an experienced reality. Jesus says, remain in my love. And he says in verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. Gosh, it's a big thought, isn't it? My joy, Jesus' joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. Experiencing the love of God is, is key to the Christian life it's, and it's key to mission. You have to somewhere along the line be happy about it. Okay? Otherwise, you've got nothing to share. So we don't do mission as a chore. We don't do brownie point mission, which is, well, I have to have spoken to so many people because I need to earn my, my heaven credits. As I suspect is practiced by JWs and the Mormons. But we have good news to be joyfully communicated out of a knowledge that you're loved. You have to know that you're loved by the Lord. And then you have to genuinely love other people. I know this is straightforward. But here's the interesting thing. So why do we do buggies? Are they going to set up for buggies and bikes, the, the kids group in here? Do we do it to grow the church? What do we do? Because we love people. Because we want to provide a, a service. We want to help those people with small children because we know what it's like. Most of us. We've had small children of our own. We do it out of love and compassion. Why do we do Friday lounge? Because we want to add youth to the youth work or because we love lost and confused Young people. And so, you, I don't know whether you heard Mark's prayer, but Mark was praying that folks and kids from the lounge will come into some of the other ministries. And that's not because we want to build a church or because we want a, a, a tick box of brownie points before the Lord. It's because we love young people. And they're lost. They're lost without the Lord. So it has to be, this mission has to be done out of a knowledge of love and, and a giving of genuine love for people. People know when you're treating them as projects. And you have to genuinely love your brothers and sisters in, in Christ. It's love across all those boundaries that people don't love across, of age and race and class and culture, that demonstrate that something supernatural is happening. So we need to get, get clean, get pruned. No love and show love. No impotence, 
and pray competence. We are in this, in this process totally and utterly incompetent, impotent people. Doesn't mean our wills are not involved, but we have to recognize that we are totally and utterly incompetent. It's a bit like picking up your electric hedge trimmer and it's not switched on and you go out there and you try and wiggle the blades and you go zzz, you make the noise, you know, and you go zzz and see if that'll cut my hedge. Well, it, that's just silly. You're totally incompetent because the power doesn't come from you. You can't hold on to the plug however much you might will it and the thing will whiz into action, the power comes from the vine, it comes from Christ. And it has to throw, flow into you. Remain in me, Jesus says, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you Remain in me. Without me, you can do nothing. Cannot bear spiritual fruit without the life of Jesus flowing through you. You do not have the power to change your own heart before the Lord. You do not have the power to change anybody else's heart. But Jesus does. And so we turn to prayer. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's an astonishing statement, isn't it? And he says it again, actually. He says it twice in this passage. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This kind of prayer that comes out of, interestingly, a heart that's bothered. Heart that's bothered about the young people in lounge, say. Coming out, it's a prayer that's, that, that's flowing out of um, a heart that's changed by Christ and, and turns into a, a prayer that is answered because it's, it's prayed uh, is prayed out of remaining in Christ. So, what controls those prayers? Well, God's word. Being so in tune with what God wants is your only guarantee that your prayer will be answered. But our incompetence should flow over into, into prayer. And the fourth key to mission, remain in Christ. Jesus says, remain here um, ten times as I count it. I may have miscounted. Remain in me as I remain in you. It's interesting in the context, isn't it, that Jesus is leaving them and going to the cross. And yet he says, remain in me um, as I remain in you. He's going to send the Holy Spirit as the... He's, as the 
second advocate. Jesus is the first counselor. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the second counselor, and he is going to connect us to Christ. Remain in me, he says. Stay in this place. And if you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. If you remain in me, he says, your incompetence will be turned to fruitfulness. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. If you remain in me, your prayers will be answered. And that's the key then. But what does it mean? What does it mean to remain in Christ? Well, verse 10 is the key. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. What does it mean to remain in Christ? Sounds very mystical, doesn't it? And it is mystical because we are connected to Christ by the Holy Spirit in ways we're not really going to understand. But it's not just mystical, it's very practical. It's to have Jesus' love within you, Jesus' commands within you, and to put them into practice. Have Jesus' commands within you, put them into practice. Actually, isn't that what Jesus said about building your house on the rock? A different metaphor. If you, if you hear my words and put them into practice, you're like a man who builds his house on a rock. So one of these two men, he builds something. The other guy thinks he's built something, but it, but it collapses. Different metaphor. Same thing. If you hear my words, put them into practice. You're going to be fruitful. You're going, to remain in, you're going to remain in me. So just to sum up, some very simple questions. Where are you? Are you, are you in Christ? And you'll, you'll know that. You, you'll know that intuitively and subjectively this morning. You'll know whether you're in Christ or, or not in Christ. Are you being fruitful? And again, you'll know that because you'll either know that you're changing and things are moving on or you'll, or you'll know that you're not. If not, why not? Are you being pruned? Okay. Hands up if you're having a hard time somewhere along the way. Yeah. Well, that's a good sign. It's a good sign still bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. So what's the secret to Jesus' mission? Don't despise the hard times. Endure hardship as discipline. Know love and show love. Press on in love. The simple thing is to get to know those people you don't know in church life. Get out of your clique. Recognize your incompetence. Turn it into prayer. Stay connected to Jesus by knowing what he wants and doing what he says. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, just thank you for this clear picture and these, um, and these simple truths.
We are connected to you. We are connected to the vine. You have grafted us in by your Holy Spirit when we trusted you. And your life flows into us. But we want to be fruitful, Lord. We say that through gritted teeth because we know it will mean being pruned. We know that love is costly. We know we all need to pray. We know we'll need to put your word into practice, but make us fruitful, we pray. You did choose us. You have chosen us and you've appointed us to go and bear fruit. Help us stay connected to the vine, we pray. Amen.